0: Welcome! You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. A few weeks ago, we were watching our grandkids. We love our grandkids dearly. In fact, if you're not yet into the Grandparents Club, it is the greatest club that we didn't know existed it is literally like a do-over we get to see our little granddaughter comes and it's just like seeing our our daughter again as as we and it's like a do-over but without any of that responsibility of you know staying up all night or any of those things it's oh you know of course uh, our granddaughter came over and sat next to me and just she wanted to watch beauty and the beast or something of course absolutely i'll put that on for you how could i say no But it came time for them, this was a couple weeks ago, and it came time for them to leave. And I thought to myself, like knowing how we feel about them, the thought just came to me, and just in a split second as mom and dad came to to get them, I wonder if God thinks that way about us. Like we're just, we're so happy when they come. It's just such a joy that they're there. Is he as mad about us as we are about our grandkids? Does he enjoy our company As much as we love having our grandkids visit. And even though they're we and our conversations are just a few words and our little grandson's not even having any words developed yet. We just love having the the conversations with them. We like to teach them things. And watching them learn and play is is amazing. And their laughter. Our little grandson, and I know you may be saying, come on, please move on with this. But he's just learned peekaboo. So he's playing peekaboo with the blanket with his big sister, and the two of them are just laughing hysterically. And just their laughter is contagious. I saw a thing one time. They said there's nothing as wonderful as the laughter of a child. And then someone said in the the comment, unless it's 2 a.m. and you don't have a child. (laughs) Quite frightening, I'm sure. So it's one thing to think that God loves us. Maybe many people would say God loves us. There are some people that are lovable. Think of Mother Teresa. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about Mother Teresa. She's completely lovable, right? There are some people that are just very lovable. Some people aren't so likable. There's some people that you just want to punch them in the face. I mean, (laughs) be real. So it's one thing, though. You're like, oh, well, God loves Mother Teresa. Of course, she's, she's lovable. But we can think that God loves other people. But let's bring it on home. Do we, do we know or think that God loves me? Do we know that? Do we know that God loves me? See, there's a difference between general knowledge and personal knowledge. You take a sports celebrity or maybe a movie star, you might know who they are. If I said a name, you might know who they are. But there's a difference between knowing who they are and knowing them. A lot of people know about God. Not many people know God. There's a vast difference. But God wants us to know Him, and He actually wants us to not only know Him, but to be absolutely sure that He loves us. So this came as well, this message came from that that thought that I had with our grandkids about, I wondered if God thought about us that way. Just the joy of, of just, even just being together. Mom sent me this text the other day, and this is what she said. She said, didn't want nothing, just was thinking of you and how much I love you, and that I'm proud of you. Okay, no need to respond, bye. Mom sent that text, and you talk about an encouraging and uplifting text. Mom, 4,000 plus miles away, was taking a moment to text me that she was thinking about me and that she loved me and was proud of me. So it wasn't just, you know, I love you. It was just that that she was proud of me. You see, to mom, I don't need to do any certain thing. I don't need to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever it is. Not to her. She loves me and is proud of me because just because I'm her son. She isn't so interested in my profession, although she's quite happy with with what I do. But she's not impressed with my financial status or lack thereof. She's not impressed or or proud of my achievements in life. She's just proud to call me her son. And this got me thinking about God. See, sometimes I don't know how other ministers prepare sermons. God speaks to me in a, in a variety of ways. And this really got me thinking. See, if, if my earthly mom thinks about, about me, one of her three sons, what does God, the creator of all, think about me? Does he even think about me at all? Ask yourself that. Do you think that God even thinks about you? Or if he does, what does he think about you? don't have to answer so we're going to look at the scriptures today, but I'm, and, and it was interesting because we would call our Bible um, the sacred text, the holy text, the holy scriptures. We're going to look at them as if they're texts from God, like mom sent me a text on my phone. These will be on the screen if you're following along in your Bible, your phone, your notebook, your notepad, whatever you have here. David says this, Psalm 139, beginning in verse 17, how precious Also, are your thoughts to me, O God? How vast is the sum of them? If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. David knew something about God. And he says that the thoughts that God has are precious. In fact, we were just at the beach when we had that hottest day of the year just a week or so ago. And sand, we, sand gets everywhere. I, I don't even know, I, I should do this challenge one day. If you ever just take your shoe, now I have big shoes, but if you just take your shoe when you get home from the beach, after you've shook out all the sand, and then just still dump it on something and count how many, just in your shoe. He's saying, if I could count the sand on the, on the sea, like it would outnumber that, that God is thinking about us. Friends, God is thinking about us. We are on his mind. He is never too busy for you. Now, maybe in your household growing up, maybe mom or dad was very busy, maybe too busy for you. God is never too busy for you. Just this idea alone that he thinks about us is incredible. We are on God's heart. Take a moment to think about that. There's a busy world to run. There's a lot of prayers to answer. And God always has time for us and thinks about us. Think about that just for a moment. He's thinking about you right now in fact my brother had said to me I think I shared this with you before my brother had had drifted away from God my older brother and he had come back to faith and he had, had, had said that he goes I know what Jesus was thinking about when he was hanging on the cross so I was waiting for the punchline I'm like what was Jesus thinking about when he hung on the cross and he said he was thinking about me in that moment all of our faces their names could have potentially flashed before his eyes. He said he was thinking about me. In Ephesians 1.3, it says this. Again, these are like texts from God. If you would wake up and there was a text on your phone, but he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, not some, not a few, not even. He says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, so that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. See, friends, God is not a a stingy and greedy God where he just will give us just a little bit. And we just are always wondering, do we know if God loves us? God lavishes his love on us. He gave it all. He chose us to be his children before we were born. Think about that. Before we were even born, he chose us. We are his children. We're not his grandchildren. We're not his stepchildren. We're his children. When we accept Christ as our Savior, we then become part of God's family. He calls us his own and has adopted us into his family. Think about that for a moment. We know a number of folks who have adopted children from other countries. There's that special bond in that adoption. We are adopted into his family. He could have done any number of things to save us. He could have snapped some fingers. He could have just you know, said, okay, everyone is saved, but this is what he chose. He became a man, He sent his son in human flesh to die in our place so that we could be his. He purchased us with the most valuable blood That ever was. We know the verse. Many of you would know this verse by heart. John 3, 16. I'm going to look at also at verse 17. For God so loved the world. didn't just love it a bit. He didn't just think about it as a side note. He so loved the world. That he gave his only son. Why did he do it? It's a little word there. Two letters. So. He did it so that everyone who believes in him. Will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. See, everyone thinks, oh, but Jesus came so he could judge the world. He says, but he did not come to judge the world, but that everyone might be saved through him. A minister friend had shared this publicly from the pulpit, and he said that growing up he had low self-esteem and he struggled with the idea. Again, he thought God loves this person, God can love that person, God, God loves me, but he didn't know that God loved him. He struggled and wrestled with that for years, and it ended up being very detrimental in his early years of his walk. Because he wasn't sure that God loved him. But this is what he said. He literally would put his name in as he read that verse. So he would say, for God so loved and put in your name. That he gave his only son for put in your name. So that I would not perish but have eternal life. Doing this helped him realize and understand that God loves him. See, it's that God loves me. It's a whole different thing. We can understand that God is love and that God loves others. But to know that God loves me. But I know me. I know my shortcomings. I know what I did last week. I know what I did this morning on my way to church. I told that person they were number one as I drove past them going really slow. God loves me. Another text that could appear on our phone from God is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. See, we're taking it away from the general. It's one thing to say, oh, Jesus died for the world. He died for sinners. He died for everyone. But then they say and break it down. He did it for me. I've heard it said that if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have still come and died for you. That's a a wild thought to think about. But he said, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Imagine that, you open up your phone and God's saying, I love you enough, I'll do that for you, I've done that for you, it's done. He ransomed us. He paid the penalty that we never could in 10,000 lifetimes. See, we could try to live right and do everything right, and we could never atone for the sin that is within us. He did it for you, He paid it in full and he did it for me so that we could be the sons and daughters of God. See, many Christians, and I've talked with people, feel like they're the stepkids. Maybe if you've been in a a blended family and you know that feeling and they feel like they're the stepkids, they're the outsiders, they never fully fit in. But with God, He has children. He doesn't have stepchildren. He doesn't have the outsiders. If we belong to Him, if we have accepted Him, we're His. He did that because He loves us. Another text from God, 1 John 3, beginning in verse 1. He says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God. And such we are. See, friends, even before I read the next part, we're the children of God. Know that. Don't let the enemy try to tell you that you don't belong, that you're not part of his family. He says, so that we could be called the children of God and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. We're connected, we're part of his family. And Paul goes even one step further in Romans 8:38, and he says, in strong language, he says, "For I am convinced that neither death nor life... Nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a hallelujah. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. He loves us. He loves us with that eternal love. This is a love that changes everything. Paul says he's convinced that nothing created or otherwise could separate us from his love. And this is not a promise with strings attached. See, it's if we do well and we follow as close as we could and try to do okay, there's no strings attached. God loves us. The security that we have in Christ is established and nothing can separate us from it. Now, we can walk away. But in God's end, he loves us. What a comforting thought. God loves us dearly. Many people around the world don't know that there is a God who loves them dearly. See, even the Bible says, even when we were his enemies, even when we were opposed to God, he was still reconciling the world to himself to bring us back to himself. For the majority, most think that not only does God not love them, They think that God is mad at them. People have a picture of God with this big club on His shoulder just waiting for you to mess up because He just wants to smash you. They find themselves like Adam that I shared with a few weeks ago in the garden, hiding from God because he thought God was going to harm him. He was afraid of what God would do because he blew it. Baylor University in the U.S. did a lengthy study on how people see God. 5% of them admitted or said that they were atheists. So other than that 5%, they did this lengthy study, and here's what they found. They found that what people perceived of God fell into four main categories. 31% think that God is an authoritative God, where He's both involved in the world and judgmental, using any means to get our attention and wake us up. 24% believe that He's a benevolent God. That he's engaged in our lives, but is non-judgmental. 16% believe that he's a critical God. They believe he's judgmental and disengaged with our lives. And 24% said that they believe he's a distant God. That he's non-judgmental, but also disengaged from our lives. Now the good news was, a majority of people actually believed in God. But again, believing or knowing about Him is not the same as knowing Him. Most don't know God. They may know about Him, but most don't know Him. By allowing others to define Him, many don't know how much He loves them. Instead, they believe that He is mad at them. And one of His divine characteristics that He's revealed of Himself is that He is love. God is love so it makes it different in you if you think that God loves you and thinks about you, or if you think that God's mad at you. See, if someone, if you think someone's mad at you, you don't even want to. You wouldn't certainly be in the car with them. You wouldn't want to go on holiday with them if you think that they're mad at you. But it's entirely different when you know, wow, this person is actually interested in my life. I want to spend time with them. Micah 7:18 says this. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. He says, where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Amen. God isn't angry. He delights in showing love. And it doesn't just say love, unfailing love. Paul just said, "Nothing can separate us from his love, but he 's convinced of that." Now Paul saw a thing or two. Remember, Paul was on the other side. He was actually killing Christians. He was persecuting the church, and now he sees the love of God that even broke through in his life. God delights to show unfailing love. I think that God has been poorly presented or represented to the world today. And as Sherry has said before, we need to represent him to the world. Our God is a God of love and compassion. The Bible says He's slow to anger and rich in love. But know this God is also holy. And He doesn't just leave us in our fallen condition. It isn't that He just loves us in kumbaya. God is holy. And so we have to take that into account because our sin has separated us from Him. He's holy, He has a spiritually pure quality. We need to be like Him. In fact, He tells us, be holy because I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. He doesn't just want us to stay in our condition. He did something about it. Another text from God on your phone this morning, 1 Corinthians 2.9. Again, out of the New Living Translation. He says, But just as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those Who love him. Now, there are people who uh, do illustrations, and maybe for science fiction films, they have to dream up these other worlds or they have to dream up other civilizations and things. Our eyes can't even comprehend and perceive what God has prepared. We can't. We could think that we can. We can't, it says. Our mind can't even imagine it. We can't. Our eyes, our ears can't even imagine. In our wildest dreams, we cannot begin to fathom what God has been making ready for us. Jesus said that he's going to prepare a place for us so that we will be with him where he is. He has taken care of everything in this life and our life to come in 1 John 4, 7. And John is the disciple that Jesus loved. If you read through his books, he's always about love. He was the one that leaned in close to Jesus. And he says this, though, beloved Let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. By this, the love of God was revealed in us, that God has sent His only Son into the world, so that we may live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That's a big word, but it just means he became our substitute. He assumed our obligations. He atoned for our guilt, covered it, and covered the punishment which he endured for us. He did that for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, and we can understand and appreciate what he did for us, he says, we also ought to love one another. He initiated his love to us. See, he started it. It wasn't like one day we just woke up out of the clear blue and you're like, you know what? I'm going to love God today. He initiated it. He put it into action. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He covered our sins with his blood and he hung on the cross in our place once and for all. It says so that we can live through him. When we understand this, when we understand the depth of how much he loves us, We should overflow with love to each other. Absolutely should have love in our hearts, one for another. And here's David once again, going back to Psalm 139. David knew God and had a great relationship with him. If you read through the Psalms, if you're feeling discouraged or anything, read through the Psalms. David went through everything. He lived in caves. He was on the run. People wanted to kill him. His own family was against him. He says this. Here he is pouring out his heart to God, and this is the exchange. Psalm 139, verse 1, he says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. And going down to verse 13, he says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it well. David recognized that God was with him, even as he was knit together in the womb. God was with him his whole life. God's hand was upon him. David knew that God loved him. He even knew his getting up and lying down God knows when you're getting up at two in the morning for a lack of sleep. He knows it. He knows you're getting up and you're lying down. It says that he even knows and numbers the hairs of our head. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. Friends, our God loves us dearly. And just as I'm getting ready to close, I just, I don't want it to just be today a, a message where you just just listen, but these are those times where maybe you've struggled. I'm just going to ask if you could just be still for a moment and just close your eyes. But maybe you've struggled with low self-esteem or maybe you've struggled with this idea of feeling or being unloved. Maybe you've never really thought that God loves me. Father, I just pray in the next moments, we're just going to spend a few moments before we close the service. Father, I just pray by your Holy Spirit that you can do a work in our hearts. Father, times like this where, where we can truly experience the, the love of God, maybe in a way that we just didn't know before. Because it, we thought it. We thought it in our head. But Father, it's that knowing it in our hearts. You died for me. It's much more personal than just a general. So today, maybe you are in that, in that part where, like my minister friend, maybe you've struggled or... Maybe it's hindered your walk because you don't truly know. You think that. You think that God loves you, but you don't truly know that God loves you. Or maybe maybe you haven't fully grasped the cost that, that Christ paid, which enables you to love others because maybe you don't overflow with love out of your heart for others. In fact, maybe you don't even like people, but you could see that God would have us to love people. Maybe there's others of us today who maybe have bought the lie that god is angry and god is mad and father maybe we need to repent and say that you've only shown me kindness and goodness and love but i have spurned the love or, or god maybe someone today is feeling like a stepchild that they've always just been on the outside looking in that they've never fully been part lord you know the heart i pray even as david said search me you search me and you know me lord you know us better than we know ourselves As I said last week, even our hearts, we can deceive ourselves. Our hearts are deceptive. But you can search us, God. May we just give you the right of way to be at work in our hearts. Lord, that we could know this, that God loves me. Loves me so much that I can put my shoulders back. And I can hold my head up high. And not out of a matter of pride. But out of a matter of that I'm, I, I belong. I have a father in heaven. That I'm a child of God. That I, I no longer am just feeling like an orphan or an outsider. But I belong. Lord, I pray that you do a work in our hearts. And that as we know that, God. See, we want to love this community with the love of God. We want to represent you as you are, not as we perceive you to be. So Father, I pray that we experience your love to be able to love others. Because you said that you love others the way you love yourself. So Lord, may we know and experience and, and be overfull with your love that we can love others. So Lord, for others today, maybe they know this. Lord, I pray that we can just have that joy of the Lord, that smile to know I belong to you that you're my father, that you love me and you're proud of me. And I don't have to do anything. Just like mom's text, she's proud that I'm her son. I don't have to do anything for her to just say that that's my son. You say that to us. That's my son. That's my daughter. Lord, I thank you for that. May we know that. May we rejoice that our names are written in your Lamb's book of life. And Lord, today, Today, Lord, if no one, if someone doesn't know you and they say, you know, pastor, I've never accepted Christ. I've never believed in Jesus. I've never been part of his family. I pray that today is your day. You could simply say to God, God, I am a sinner that needs a savior. I need you. And father, I want to be in your family. I want to be in your family. And I want to know this love that you have for me. Fully. And I believe, Jesus, that you did come in human flesh, that you were a man. You are also God, that you died for my sins and you were raised on the third day. And because of that, it says, so that the world may be saved, that we can have eternity with you in heaven. Father, I just thank you. and Lord, I just ask that you will continue to be at work in our hearts, that we can know this, that you love us. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.